Nine months ago, a full month after the presidential election, Joe Biden assured the American people that he did not support a federal vaccine mandate for COVID-19. Be mandatory? No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I would demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. Clear enough. But because his word is completely worthless, Joe Biden did a 180 and is demanding now that 100 million Americans give up their freedom and take the Fauci ouchie. And he did so in the most cartoonishly super villainy language possible. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. This is not about freedom or personal choice. This is about Joe Biden's patience wearing thin. Got it. Well, I've got two words for Joe Biden, and they're not Mr. President. I do not presume to speak for the American people, but speaking just for us here at The Daily Wire, we will not comply. Joe Biden can go pound sand. We will pursue every legal option available to us to ignore this incoherent and un-American edict from on high. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from How Dare You. Comment is, the only thing Biden has built back better is the Taliban. That's true. It's not totally fair, though. He's also built back the Haqqani Network. He's also built back ISIS. He's all, he's built, so a few more things, okay, just in the spirit of fairness. This uh, growing tyranny has people uh, wanting to reassert their civil rights, very basic civil rights, such as our Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms, which is why I strongly suggest you check out Gun Owners of America. Have you noticed that the federal government seems to be interested these days in taking away your rights? Well, Gun Owners of America believes that the Second Amendment, your God-given right to defend yourself and your loved ones, is under attack like never before. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer want to ban guns and register all gun owners with the government. We cannot let this happen. They'll do it. If you give them the power, they will do it. It's up to all of us to protect our gun rights, and that is why I'm asking you to visit Gun Owners of America today. GOA is the only no-compromise gun lobby in Washington. Along with their grassroots army, they are taking the fight to the Congress, the White House, and state legislatures from coast to coast. And GOA has a special message and a free gift for listeners to this program. Head on over to gunowners.org slash Knowles, now more than ever, to learn more. That is gunowners.org slash Knowles to learn more about how we can stop the left from taking away our Second Amendment rights, our basic civil liberties. Gunowners.org slash Knowles. Joe Biden's speech yesterday was the most vicious, divisive speech I have ever heard from an American president about his fellow Americans. It began 
Well, you heard a little touch of it earlier. It began with this idea of Joe's patience wearing thin. Look, he's a crotchety old man. His patience wears thin. He doesn't, he's not as, he's not old slap happy Joe like he used to be. And so he, he opens up the speech vilifying Americans who, for whatever reason, in their prudential judgment, decided that they didn't want to get the experimental drug for the, for the Wuhan cough. Many of us are frustrated with the nearly 80 million Americans who are still not vaccinated even though the vaccine is safe, effective, and free. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's caused by the fact that despite America having unprecedented and successful vaccination program, despite the fact that for almost five months, free vaccines have been available in 80,000 different locations, we still have nearly 80 million Americans who have failed to get the shot. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, or overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. And a distinct minority of Americans, supported by a distinct minority of elected officials, are keeping us from turning the corner. We cannot allow these actions to stand in the way of protecting the large majority of Americans who have done their part. I want to get back to life as normal. So 80 million Americans who, who refused to take the experimental jab for the virus that for most people is just a mild cold, they, they are destroying the country. They are the reason people can't get cancer treatments. Not the lockdown. You know, remember the lockdown, the various lockdowns that we've been in that actually prevented people from getting cancer treatments? No, it's not that. It's the unvaccinated. Because this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I don't think that Joe Biden would have given this speech, this vicious speech if the number had been 160 million. He wouldn't have done that because then you would have had half of the country not having been vaccinated. And he doesn't want to risk that kind of political capital castigating half of the country. He, he only wants to wait until it's a distinct minority. Then he can go out and demagogue. As he licks his finger, he puts it in the air, he figures out which way the wind is blowing. And his word is worthless. So when he says there won't be a mandate, that's just a lie. So he, he comes out and he says, okay, the, the unvaccinated, they're awful people. They're evil, awful, terrible people. They're killing the good vaccinated Americans, but the vaccinated Americans are not at risk. I know there's a lot of confusion and misinformation, but the world's leading scientists confirm that if you're fully vaccinated, your risk of severe illness from COVID-19 is very low. In fact, Based on available data from the summer, only one out of every 160,000 fully vaccinated Americans was hospitalized for COVID per day. For the vast majority of you who've gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. I understand the anxiety about getting a breakthrough case. But as the science makes clear, if you're fully vaccinated, you're highly protected from severe illness, even if you get COVID-19. In fact, recent data indicates there is only one confirmed positive case per 5,000 fully vaccinated Americans per day. You're as safe as possible. Help me out here. Maybe I'm a little bit slow. Maybe I just don't understand this. Joe Biden is saying that there are a lot of Americans who are angry at the unvaccinated because they have anxiety that they could get a breakthrough case and face the serious complications of coronavirus. 
And he understands that anger. Frankly, he's stoking that anger in this speech. But the vaccinated Americans are at statistically no risk of coronavirus from the unvaccinated Americans. Right? He's saying the science is clear. You're not at risk. It, it, over, you have a st- an infinitesimally small chance of getting a breakthrough case and of certainly of suffering any serious consequences from it. So then how, why do you understand the anger? Why do you understand the frustration? They shouldn't be angry and they shouldn't be frustrated because they're not at risk. Because the people who don't want to take the Fauci-ouchie for whatever reason, maybe because you schmucks have been lying to us for the past year and a half, maybe, maybe they have a, a, a justification for that. Maybe they've got some prudential judgment. And as you admit, they don't pose any threat to the vaccinated people. But he continues to demagogue anyway, because they, listen, they don't pose any threat at all, but because of the massive threat they pose, we're going to make a hundred million people take the shot. And I know this is crazy. Look, I'm not an epidemiologist, but why is the focus entirely on a vaccine when we're, when we're being told that the vaccines, they do work, they're they're so wonderful, they're the greatest vaccines ever, but also, they don't really work and they don't really stop the spread and you, they, you need a booster two months after you get your original series of vaccines. But they're really, really good, but they're also not that effective. So if there's so many questions about the vaccines, why not focus on treatments? We're increasing the availability of new medicines recommended by real doctors, not conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. The monoclonal antibody treatments have been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization by up to 70% for unvaccinated people at risk of developing severe severe disease. We've already distributed 1.4 million courses of these treatments to save lives and reduce the strain on hospitals. Hold on a second. So what you're telling me is that there are all these questions about the vaccines, and it took a long time to to jump through all of the various hoops and they're not quite as effective as everyone told us they are. And that's why you need new booster shots. And there's still these breakthrough cases and they're still being transmitted. And you've got a hundred and what, 170 to 200 million Americans who have taken that versus 1.7 million Americans who have received the, the treatment, the therapeutics that, that reduce the risk by 70% that are very effective that you're now calling, calling on them to be more widespread. Why haven't you put any focus on the treatments before? Why are you focused only on this vaccine that has a lot of questions about it when you could just focus on the therapeutics, which seems much more reliable? And then instead of having to jab, shoot up every single American, shut down the economy, you could just treat people who actually have symptoms who are actually at risk. Why not do that? Fauci, Fauci has undertaken the strategy from the beginning of his career. This was a big issue when he was dealing with AIDS back in the 1980s. Everybody said, hey, just develop some treatments. He said, no, we've got to focus on the vaccine. He put most of the resources behind the vaccine. We still don't have an AIDS vaccine. And the only way people with AIDS survive is because they take cocktails of therapeutics. Decade and decade and decade of failure. And now this guy, these people are going to lie to us. They're going to vilify all of these Americans and they're going to upend our constitutional order. Disgusting, one of the most disgusting speeches I've ever seen from a president. Really makes you want to protect yourself and your family. And when you want to do that, I would strongly recommend Ring. Ring Alarm. You can protect your home anytime from anywhere. I love it, especially when I'm on the road. I go on the road a fair bit. 
and sweet little Elise and cute little June are in our house? Well, I like to know that we can keep an eye on every square inch of our house. We can know who shows up at the door before we open that door. We can just, it's all centralized, all very simple with Ring Alarm. It's so easy to install. Even I can do it. Incredibly inexpensive. It makes a great housewarming gift too because you'll get credit for a really great gift and you won't have to shell out a ton of money. Go check it out today. Protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. Build the system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Be like me. I'm, I'm looking at it right now for an, another relative of mine. Ring.com slash Knowles. Mark my words. Right now, in a sterile apartment somewhere off of DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C., there is a Bulwark staff writer who is furiously penning the conservative case for federal vaccine mandates for virtually every American through various administrative agencies. I, I'm telling you right now, there, for, I think of the Bulwark or some of these other fake right-wing outlets. They're, they're court jester conservative outlets. They're outlets where they say, I'm a conservative, but I only vote for Democrats and I support the liberal order, right? Their, their whole purpose is to feign opposition and in so doing legitimize the dominant liberal ruling class. You're going to hear it. Here's the, actually, actually, here's why Joe Biden's speech vilifying hundred, a hundred million Americans and, uh, forcing these new penalties from the federal government on all of these businesses through the various... This is why it's really conservative. Really, really conservative. Now, because you're going to hear this nonsense and because Biden is going to push for this, I think it's very important that we be specific on what our problem is here. Okay? Most conservatives that I see right now are saying, I'm not against vaccines. I'm just against vaccine mandates. And I understand why people are saying that. My view is sort of the opposite, though. <laughs> I'm not against vaccine mandates in principle. I am against this vaccine, specifically mandating this vaccine. I am against. It's kind of the opposite of what the conservatives are saying. But, but my view is right. <laughs> so the, the reason for this is, if you make the argument that we, uh, we have total bodily autonomy and you have no right to shoot me up with any sort of inoculation and that's deeply unconstitutional and it violates all, all of the American tradition and my God-given rights. You're not going to be able to make that case very well because for 116 years now, the Supreme Court has held that actually in some cases, the government can mandate vaccines. There's a case from Jacobson versus Massachusetts, 1905 held that not the federal government, not OSHA, not these bureaucratic agencies, but the states do have the authority to mandate vaccines in certain cases. In that case in particular, they were talking about smallpox. George Washington actually goes back further than 1905. George Washington in 1777 mandated inoculations for his troops. And they were much more dangerous back then, by the way, than they are today. But he did it to keep them in fighting form. That also was against smallpox. If we try to make the argument that it, it's deeply un-American to mandate vaccines, we're going to fail because it, we've had vaccine mandates going back to George Washington. Just at some level, whether it's just to the army, whether it is at the state level. I think where we will be successful is if we make 
the particular argument. The particular argument is we've never had a federal vaccine mandate for 100 million plus Americans. We've never had it. We've never had it imposed through the proxy arm of businesses being enforced by OSHA and various federal administrative agencies. We never had that. And I know, I know you're not allowed to say this, but the coronavirus ain't smallpox, okay? It's much, much, much less deadly. It's much, much, much less serious. And it affects many fewer people, even if you're just looking at various demographics. Smallpox is one of the deadliest epidemics that has ever existed. So when there's a smallpox outbreak, people have to take that a little bit more seriously. And it affects everybody. Whereas coronavirus is very unlikely to, to result in grave injury or death to young people, to healthy people. For older people and for, for unhealthy people, it can be more dangerous. Okay. I think that what the median or the average age of a, of a COVID death is over 82. Okay. This is not the case with people who face serious complications from smallpox, where what something like 30% of them are blind. 30% of, of blindness cases came from smallpox back when smallpox still, still existed. It would horribly disfigure people and it would kill people too. I think we need to make the, I've, I've been saying this actually for a while now, as I made the case in Speechless. I think that conservatives get tripped up when we start making these really generalized, abstract arguments that don't refer to anything in, in reality, in practice. So you're going to hear people say, you have no right to stop me from engaging in some behavior that might harm me. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. The, the United States has always claimed that right. We have laws against drugs. We have laws for seatbelts. We have laws for against pornography, or we did at least. They're still on the books. They're just not enforced. We do have laws against that. If you make this extreme libertarian case, you're going to fail because it's completely ahistorical. But there's a really strong case to be made that this virus is just not that big a threat compared to other epidemics. This drug is just not that much to be trusted given how hastily it was developed. These people, this public health agency and administration are not to be trusted because they've lied to us on occasion and have gotten things wrong generally. And this federal government is overreaching here if they want to impose a mandate. Maybe for a local or state government, that's one thing, but the federal government through the bureaucracy, that's another thing entirely. What we're looking at here is not so simple as a matter of freedom versus tyranny. Freedom and tyranny play into this question, but it's not so simple as all that. What what this is about is, pardon the expression, a whole new world order. Okay, that's an expression that was trending yesterday on Twitter. And it was trending because an Australian politician accidentally let the phrase slip. Put back in place, especially with reopening and people going back to pubs and stuff. Because our exposure sites still, will they be put back in place to be listed once we are reopening? Because they're not at the moment. Um, we will be looking at what contact tracing looks like in the new world order. And yes, it will be pubs and clubs and other things if we have a positive case there. Our response may be differently, different if we know that people are fully vaccinated. So we're working through a number of those um, issues, but we will have to reflect and learn. The new world order? I thought this was 15 days to slow the spread. New world order? Because of the Wu flu? New world order is a phrase you may have heard before. The new, the new World Order was a term popularized by George H.W. Bush in a couple speeches that are now being suppressed. This was back at the start of the first Iraq war, the Gulf War. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea 
a new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. Such is a world worthy of our struggle and worthy of our children's future. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Uh, don't, I don't know about that. Wait, the UN is now going to just go in and kind of run all these different countries? I don't know about that. So when I heard this Australian politician use the phrase new world order, I said, oh, where have I heard that? Oh, I heard that from George Bush. Let me look up that speech. So I look it up on YouTube and the speech won't come up. The clip won't come up. Actually, what comes up is some other speeches of George Bush and then a, uh, a header, like a little disclaimer that says the new world order is a conspiracy theory and it's not real and it's to totally ignore this. There's nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You say, wait, what? <laughs> no, nothing says the new world order is a conspiracy quite like burying the clips of the speech of the new world order and telling you it doesn't exist, right? That's, yeah, okay. Uh, oh, and having the largest corporation on earth do that. Yeah, that, that assuages my fears. Okay, now I'm, but of course that's what this is. I mean, that clip was from September 11th, 1990 and January 16th, 1991. And Bush was talking about the Gulf War and he's saying, look, what we're going to do now, the Cold War is over. We're going to remake the entire world in America's image. And his son would, would pursue this path in the second Iraq war and the, the war on terror and, and abolishing tyranny in the world, as he said in the second inaugural. And it was a bit utopian and a bit progressive and quite liberal. And, but they really meant it. They really said, we are, there is going to be a world order and we want to change the world order. And the effect of the coronavirus lockdowns, without question, is that. Without que- I'm not saying it's some sneaky cabal, you know, in the shadows somewhere with space lasers or anything. I'm just saying the effect of these lockdowns is to reorder the way that citizens relate to their nations and the way that nations relate to the rest of the world. That's just without question. I mean, Joe Biden proved it last night by upending the constitutional order and imposing this mandate that one hopes many American businesses will refuse to go along with. You know, we need to protect our most basic rights here. The most basic right is the right to life, which is why I'd strongly recommend you go check out 40 Days for Life. Abortion is in the news a lot these days because of this wonderful Texas pro-life law and potentially similar laws around the country. When the topic comes up, as it happens a lot on social media now and in normal interactions, it helps to have good, solid arguments to refute the lies of the abortion industry. Well, there's a new easy book for this. It's called What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. It covers traditional arguments, but also my body, my choice, when and how to discuss politics and abortion, forced birth, that's the new thing they're calling it, transgenderism and abortion, shout your abortion. A whole lot has changed since abortion was legalized in 1973. What to say when equips you with proven approaches from the front lines of 40 Days for Life, which has helped to convert 221 abortion workers. Pretty amazing stuff. Know exactly what to say when and not to say, when abortion comes up, balance converting hearts with winning arguments. Go on the offense, stay on topic. Go check it out right now. It's a wonderful, invaluable 
tool, What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion, how to change hearts and minds and convert hearts in a brave new world. Love that title. Free shipping, 21% off, assigned hardback at 40daysforlife.com slash what to say when. There is a campaign right now for radical liberation. Now, I, kn- I know this is weird. This is why I'm, I'm telling you when you hear something about the vaccine mandate or, or any other big public policy, political correctness is like this, wokeness is like this. It's not so simple as saying freedom versus tyranny. Okay, freedom versus censorship or something. Because in many ways, the country is freer, quote unquote, now than it was 50 years ago. We're freer to say naughty words. We're freer to sleep with whomever we want. We're less free to have political speech. We're less free to state basic truths. We're less free to control our own passions and and run our own government. But we are more free in some other, in some very base licentious ways. AOC just showed this. She, She just proved this campaign of radical liberation. She tweeted out in response to a headline that says AOC calls women menstruating people while explaining the female body. She said, not just women, trans men and non-binary people can also menstruate. Some women also don't menstruate for many reasons, including surviving cancer that required a hysterectomy. GOP mad at this are protecting the patriarchal idea that women are most valuable as uterus holders. Uterus, strange phrasing. But she's almost right here in that last part. She's almost right. It's not, you're not a uterus holder. I'm not like a, I'm not like a shoulder holder, right? I'm not, my, my body parts are not my possessions. They're part of me, but that's a, I'm splitting hairs, I suppose. What AOC is saying, if she could speak English properly, is that it's the, there's a patriarchal idea that women's greatest asset is their ability to conceive and bear children. That's obviously true. It's not just true for women. It's true of of all people. The most incredible faculty, the most valuable faculty possessed by human beings, period, is the ability to conceive and produce children. And only women can do that, contrary to popular belief. Not everyone gets to have children. Not every woman gets to have children, okay? We, We dealt with this a little bit ourselves. I've mentioned this on the show before. Sweet little Elisa and I, we're Catholic. We started right away after we got married and it just didn't happen right away. A lot of people struggle with infertility. It's very painful for a lot of people. Okay. There, of course, there are other ways to contribute. There are other ways to flourish and have a good life. But it is simply the case that the center of human life is the conception and creation of children. And AOC is, is devaluing that. She's saying, oh, who cares? Who cares about that? The f- feminists generally have devalued this. Said, oh, who cares about this miracle that you can create another freaking human being and then raise that person and propagate our species and be fruitful and multiply? Who cares about that? When you can go work in the widget factory. <laughs> Why would you want to ha- rock the cradle and have the hand that rocks the cradle rule the world when you can go do spreadsheets for some guy in a city or something? Why would you? Oh my gosh, what a horrible life that would be to have a good family. Oh gosh, that'd be. Then you couldn't be single and drunk all the time living in a city doing spreadsheets. It, it's insane. It's an insane view of society, but it's the consequence of a radical liberation that, that liberates us, not just from certain social mores, but from the bonds of nature itself, such that women are no longer women. Not, not all women are uterus holders, 
as she says. Even the moderates are radical on this stuff. Merrick Garland, who is supposed to be the moderate attorney general, he's the one that Mitch McConnell just smacked down when he was up for the Supreme Court and held open Scalia's seat. Garland is now the attorney general. He says that this pro-life law in Texas is clearly unconstitutional. SB 8 bans nearly all abortions in the state after six weeks of pregnancy, before many women even know they are pregnant, and months before a pregnancy is viable. It does so even in cases of rape, sexual abuse, or incest. And it further prohibits any effort to aid the doctors who provide pre-viability abortions or the women who seek them. The act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. Those precedents hold, in the words of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that, quote, regardless of whether exceptions are made for particular circumstances, a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability. So he's quoting Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is not only one of the worst decisions in the history of the United States, but also one of the stupidest. It was written by one of the stupidest justices, Justice Anthony Kennedy, who fancied himself a romantic poet. And in his, in his opinion there, he, he said that people have a constitutional right to define their own concept of existence. AOC, basically, is what he's saying. He's saying, yes, you, if you're a man, you can imagine that you're a woman or a unicorn or whatever, because we define our own concept of existence. That's our right. Of course, you don't have that right. <laughs> I don't. I can, I can define my own concept of existence as being a, a six foot four, 300 pound linebacker. But if I step onto the football field, things are not going to go very well if, if that is the view that I'm laboring under, okay? You don't have the right to do that. You actually have the obligation to acknowledge reality. We all have that obligation too. Garland is a moderate. Shows you just how far left, not, not just the radicals have gone, but the whole liberal ruling class. Think about this. Uh, Northam, uh, Governor Blackface. He, hey, he might not be Governor Blackface. He might have been Governor Ku Klux Klanhood. We're not sure which, which one he was wearing. Governor Northam in Virginia just tore down the uh, statue of Robert E. Lee. It had stood for 130 years and he tore it down. There was also a time capsule in there. They're getting rid of the time capsule. They don't know what's in it yet. They're, they're going to open that up later. But now there's going to be a new time capsule. Northam says, this monument and its time capsule reflected Virginia in 1890. It's time to remove both so that our public spaces better reflect who we are as a people in 2021. The past 18 months have seen historic change from the pandemic to protests for racial justice that led to the removal of these monuments to a lost cause. It is fitting that we replace the old capsule with the new one that tells that story. So right now, everything's got to change. It's not just that we create new time capsules of what, where we are now. We've got to get rid of all the old ones. We've got to knock everything down. We've got to just be exactly who we are right now. We don't have any connection to tradition. The new time capsule will be filled with dozens of new items. Black Lives Matter sticker, CDC Vax card, a photo of the Virginia State Police at the January 6th insurrection, the January 6th, an expired COVID-19 vaccine vial, an LGBT pride pin, prayer beads from a woman who died of COVID. Prayer, I don't know what kind of, what they mean by prayer beads. They mean a rosary? It doesn't sound like, uh, who knows. A collection of poems from middle school students about COVID. An election officer's badge from 2020, yikes. And a video from an interfaith healing and unity event. Does any of that represent you? 
Does any of that represent you? No, it doesn't represent me. The generic, the generic, the closest would be the prayer beads, I guess. The generic prayer beads to the interfaith healing. No, what it, that is a radical, radical shift. And it's all focused in this very vindictive way on how awful the conservatives are. They storm the Capitol, the COVID, the greatest threat, got to change our constitutional or LGBT, pride, BLM, this, that, and the other thing. It's funny. They, they have two different items to commemorate alleged insurrectionists, right? One is BLM. They're saying, we support these insurrectionists. And one is that picture of the cops. And they're saying, we oppose those awful insurrectionists that stole Pelosi's lectern or whatever. Does that represent you? Doesn't represent me. It's, a, it's an unrecognizable, unrecognizable country, which we don't, don't need to look in a, in a cap for that. We can see that in, in the speech yesterday from Joe Biden. Unrecognizable stuff. As I'm sure you're well aware, just want to put uh, not too fine a point on it. Joe Biden is using the federal agency OSHA to force all companies with over 100 employees to either mandate vaccines or test their employees for COVID at least once a week. Uh, This is an insane uh, overreach. So in case you weren't listening at the top of the show, we are going to fight that with every single resource at our disposal. Uh, We appreciate all of your help uh, joining us as Daily Wire members. If you join right now, you will be giving us the resources we need to take this all the way to the Supreme Court if that's necessary. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code do not comply at checkout for 25% off. Uh, We've been far too willing to cede our way of life to these bureaucrats in the name of public health. So enough is enough. Uh, Please stand with us. We appreciate it. Uh, We are uh, hoping that we can make a stand, not just for our company, not just for other companies, but for uh, the American citizens generally. This weekend, we remember the men and women who lost their lives 20 years ago in the most brutal terror attack America's ever seen. In an extremely important episode of Ben Shapiro's Sunday special, he sits down with one of the politicians that shouldered much of the burden that was placed on the Bush administration in the aftermath. That would be Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Uh, She was a a really terrific guest. So uh, if you haven't had a chance, check it out right now. Go to dailywire.com. You get it on the Daily Wire app, Apple TV, Roku, or Ben's YouTube channel. And uh, don't forget, Daily Wire members get special access to bonus content from these Sunday special episodes. So do not miss it. Join Daily Wire today. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. My favorite time of the week right now is the mailbag. You know, before we get to the mailbag, though, I do have to thank everybody. Uh, because I'd mentioned this on the show that uh, I was very honored to write the introduction to the new 70th anniversary edition of God and Man at Yale by William F. Buckley Jr. This is the book that is widely credited with starting the conservative movement, and it's available now. It's shipping. So I really appreciate everyone who's bought it. I know a lot of you have written in, and if you want to get it, you can get it wherever books are sold. It's God and Man at Yale by William F. Buckley Jr., and you can read a few pages of my writing. I See, I did a book with no words, then I did a book with a lot of words. Now I'm doing a book with still not that many words, but but Bill Buckley wrote the rest of the words, so that's very good. First question up from Kirsten. Michael, I had a couple questions for you. You've talked about learning about other religions, so I wondered if you'd ever considered or would consider reading or studying the Book of Mormon. My second question, you often quote Chesterton, but which Chesterton do you quote, GK or AK? I don't know much about either of them, but you seem to speak highly of whichever it is you quote, so it got me wondering. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I haven't delved deeply into Mormonism. I have... Uh, I'm friends with Mormons, and I have read some of the Book of Mormon, Um, you know, especially when I was 
reverting to the church and, you know, considering all these things. I did read a lot of Protestants. I read some Mormonism. Actually, when I was a kid, I had read a good bit of Islam. You know, I'd I'd read the Quran when I think I was 14, mostly because the libs kept telling me that this was the the religion of peace, you know, and I just didn't, I wanted to read it for myself. I just didn't believe them. (laughs) Healthy skepticism is always good. Um, So, yeah, so obviously, you know, I was not, not persuaded by, uh, by the Book of Mormon. And I ended up, uh, you know, becoming a, returning to be a mackerel snapping papist. Um, but, uh, you know, once it's, it's always good to, uh, investigate these things for oneself and, and, uh, figure out which you find to be most, uh, most persuasive. As for the Chestertons, I'm referring to GK Chesterton. I actually didn't know anything about the other Chesterton until yesterday. AK Chesterton, who was a cousin of his or something, was a, a British fascist politician. And, uh, so I'm not, not referring to him, referring to G.K., who is just a magnificent writer of the 20th century. Or the 19th, when was he born? He was born in the 19th century. Anyway, he's uh, just a wonderful, wonderful writer. From uh, Aubrey. Hello, my swarthy host. Hello, Aubrey. How are you? I was out on the town recently and met some uh, new people who were really fun. And yes, some were men. I wasn't out on the prowl but it's always an option when you're young and single. However, I tend to dress slightly more conservative than other girls, and they tend to get more immediate attention from guys because, let's face it, men are easily distracted. Now, I'm not dressing like a nun, but sometimes I'm a little more subtle about accentuating my assets. You feel? I feel. I feel. But I think that immediate attention can lead to conversations and sometimes turn into a more long-term interest. As a man of decent values who isn't blind, should I dress a little more provocative to get more initial attention and then show them my dazzling personality. Sincerely, a lady in the streets. (laughs) You should dress to look beautiful. Okay. And so I'm not saying you should put a, you know, a a burqa on. (laughs) Okay. I'm not saying you should throw a potato sack over yourself. No, you should certainly show off your beautiful qualities, not just uh, emotional, but also physical. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you should dress like a trollop, my dear. You, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm hearkening back to my single days when I'd go, go meet the ladies around town. And yes, it's true. If a, if a gal is wearing, you know, dental floss, it will catch your attention, but you will form an opinion about that. And ver- very likely you're, you will not look at that woman as though this is going to be the mother of my children. It can happen, but it, uh, it's not usual. Whereas if you see a gal who is wearing a potato sack, yes, you, you might not pay attention to her. But, but if you see a woman who is not dressed like a uh, gal of ill repute, but who is still beautiful, is showing off her beauty in a way that is reasonable, I, I think that's the course you want to go on. Our, our society sets up a ton of false dichotomies. We were talking about the false dichotomy earlier between freedom and tyranny or whatever. Liberty and censorship. We also have this false dichotomy of, you know, you've either got to dress like a streetwalker or you've got to, you know, hide yourself in a burqa. But there, there's a middle ground. You can, you can acknowledge beauty and even accentuate beauty without having it be tawdry. Hope that helps. Ashton. Hello, Michael. Following the Texas abortion law, my social media feed has been full of despair and disgust. For example, I read a post comparing a fetus to a tapeworm. What shocks me uh, are these pro-choice individuals or parents themselves? Why do you think there are so many parents out there who are pro-choice? I would think most of them would be pro-life and this saddens me. 
I'm married, but no children yet. But these crazy nutty lefties have changed my mind to be more pro-life than pro-choice. I think a lot of what it comes from is, is arrogance and bigotry. Basically, what a lot of these women are saying is, and it's, you know, often I've heard this a lot from liberal white women, is they'll say, look, I would never get an abortion. I would never kill my precious babies. But poor black women, yeah, they should do it. Yeah, yeah, poor, that's fine if poor black women in like bad cities who don't make a lot of money. Oh yeah, they should kill all those. Who wants those babies? But I'm just saying for me, I would never kill my baby. Right, that's, that's one line I've heard. And then the other line, which, and I think it's important to mention, I haven't mentioned this yet in this iteration of the the abortion debate, but an important aspect here too is sometimes they know not what they do. Okay. There are, I know, I know multiple women who have had abortions. I know some women who, who have had multiple abortions and some of them came to regret it deeply and some of them are not even really aware of it and they don't, they can't put two and two together. That's the way this fallen world works. You know, for, for a long time, when I was a teenager, I, I argued in favor of abortion. I mean, everyone, I don't think I knew a pro-life person. It was just, it was so obvious. Oh, these pro-lifers are trying to control women's bodies and it's not a big deal. It's not really a baby. It's like a, just a blob of whatever. And you know, whatever. And if you don't look into it more deeply, you might just stay there. I mean, the whole culture is telling you that. So I, I do think there is some degree of just honest ignorance or, or an attempt to evade learning more because it, it will show you a ghastly reality. But that, that's true. And so if, you know, for a woman who has had an abortion, it can be a very traumatic experience to realize later on what that means, what it, what it was like. And, and so I think it's, one has to have compassion for these people too. You know, I mean, you can go and have your sins forgiven, uh, but, but you do have to recognize that it was wrong. You do have to, and that's a very hard, re- repentance is a very hard thing because it means, repentance literally means changing your mind, right? It means actually sh- turning around, changing the way that you're, you're seeing things. And that can be very, very disorienting to people. From Emma, hi, Michael. I'm a college student at Appalachian State University. The school administration is pursuing for the student body to get vaccinated. As you could probably guess, I do not believe in being forced to receive the vaccine. Being 25 years old, COVID doesn't pose much of a threat to me. All the elderly people are able to receive it. Exactly. The vaccination rate here is more than 50% for students and over 80% for faculty and staff. But I know that they're going to make my life more difficult. It's already difficult for me to wear a mask with my autism. Mm, Good point. I don't want to roll, give in, and violate my principles. My mom said I wouldn't be rolling over and giving up what I believe in. It would be me being forced into doing it. What do you think? Sincerely, my body, not quite my choice. I'm really glad you brought up the autism aspect here because people refuse to acknowledge that the masks create problems for some people. The masks create problems for some people with, with breathing problems, for instance. The masks can create problems for people with autism because it's hard, much, much harder to read facial cues. I mean, it, it, you can't just tell the entire population hey, totally upend your way of life, muzzle yourself, put this filthy cloth over your face all the time, and it'll be totally normal and fine. And there's no big deal. And there's no problem with that. Of course there will be. And then you add on top of this, the vaccine mandates. What I would do if I were you, and I've said this before, I don't think that taking this vaccine or not taking this vaccine is necessarily, you know, the, the arbiter of, of one's deep, most deeply held beliefs. It might be an expression of deeply held beliefs. And 
I think the fact that the public health bureaucracy is so callous and so vindictive and so stupid and so dishonest is very good reason to not trust them on the vaccine. And I don't think that the Biden vaccine mandate is legit, even though I'm not opposed to it in principle. So what I would do is what we're doing here at The Daily Wire. I would do everything you can to avoid it. I'm sure there are ways to avoid it, okay? If they do, you know, hold you down and tie you down and jab the thing, I don't think it's, you know, the end of your life. I think, uh, you know, life, life will go on. It, it'll be a horrible uh, infringement, but li- life will go on. But I, I, I would not be willing to give up just yet on this sort of thing. Write into me again if they tell me, you know, you're either, you're either taking the shot or you're out of our school. Or they, you know, write into me again. We'll talk then. But, but I, I think they're bluffing in many ways. I think Joe Biden is bluffing in many ways. I, I don't think they're really going to be able to enforce this. I think he's trying to distract from his failures on Afghanistan. I think he's trying to distract from his failures on the economy, on immigration, frankly, even on coronavirus. So he's trying to have a shiny object over here, rile up the Provax people to vile up, rile up his base. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fold yet. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fold yet. I think, I think they're bluffing. From Ben. Hello, Michael. My home state of Virginia took down the giant statue of Robert E. Lee. Yes, that's true. I saw that. I have mixed feelings. On one hand, the precedent scares me whose statue is next, and a lot of people consider it erasing history. On the other hand, Lee did wage a war against the United States and committed treason. So shouldn't I celebrate the sta- uh, so shouldn't I celebrate the statue of a traitor coming down? What are your thoughts on the situation? Thanks. Love the show. Oh, would that it were so simple. I wish that it were so simple to say, he's a traitor. He's bad. Get rid of him. The American Civil War was a very complex engagement that had been boiling up from the very founding of the country, since before the founding of the country. And politicians tried for decades to stave it off. There were many complex factors that went into it. And then the Union won, and Lincoln declared with malice toward none, with charity for all, we are going to come back. We're not just going to invade and conquer you and, and you know, slay all the men and rape all the women and, and raise all your crops and burn your fields. They said, we're going to come back together and actually live together all as Americans. Confederate soldiers are treated as American veterans, okay, for this reason, because we need to come back because we're going to have a country. Are we going to have a country or not? Is the country going to be the whole country or is it, are we going to excise half of the country? So I think it's, uh, and by the way, Robert E. Lee was one of the most important figures in bringing the country back together. It's not like he waged a guerrilla, it's not the Taliban. He didn't go wage a guerrilla campaign then for years and years after the war was over. He surrendered and, and helped to, to unify the country. So I, I think the disrespect at him, it, well, one, it's, it, it won't just stop at him. It's already not. They're tearing down Washington and, and Jefferson and Lincoln for that matter. Uh, but, but I think it's wrong even in the particular. I, I do not think Robert E. Lee deserves to be taken down. I think he's actually one of the more important figures in, in helping the country to recover. From Colby, dear Mr. Knowles, I'm getting married this month. We're going on our honeymoon to Nashville, Tennessee. Nice. But we're having a hard time nailing down some things to do besides going to Candace's show and visiting a couple historical museums. What do you recommend? P.S. What medium strength cigar do you recommend? Love the show. And as always, your thoughts and insight. Keep me speechless. Thanks. Uh, what do I recommend? Well, you know, there's a full-scale replica of the Parthenon here with a full statue of Athena. It's like very weird. It's very weird. But, you know, you could go check that out. I would go check out 
Some of the plantations, actually speaking of the Civil War, some of those are pretty cool. Uh, great Civil War battle sites down in Franklin. Not sure if your wife is totally into that. Franklin itself is this gorgeous little town. It's very, it could be very romantic. I'll have a glass of wine on a porch somewhere. Uh, you can go check out, gosh, oh, go hit up a cigar bar. There's actually a lot of cigar bars here. And a good medium body cigar. I would recommend, especially for the price point, I'd recommend my father. Stuff my father makes is really good. And since you're married now, you potentially will become a father very soon. All right. Uh, appreciate everybody. It's uh, been a very trying week, I know, for everybody around here. Uh, we appreciate your support. We will keep you posted on our uh, refusal to go along with Joe Biden's stupid plan. Um, if you want to join up right now, help us out, you can do that. Head on over to dailywire.com. Appreciate everyone who's gotten the new edition of God and Man at Yale. And I appreciate all of you. Things are going to get very, very intense, especially as the 2022 elections come on. I think that's what a lot of this mandate is about. I think that's what a lot of, of this power grab is about. You're going to see it not just on the public health stuff. You're going to see it on the election integrity bills. Hold firm. Stay strong. Keep the faith. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boren. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>